Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today, we're talking about building more muscle with these five principles. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 48 of the Eat Right Nutrition podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how to build more muscle using these five principles. Now, we struggled with the title of this podcast, (laughs) Principles or Strategies, and we looked up the definition of the two. I think strategies, Nicole, is a like common thing used on like covers of fitness magazines yeah like use these five strategies but i think these are more principles than strategies because principles are fundamental truths and i think that these are would more be considered fundamental truths and we want to break the norm and stop using the word strategy because i think it's a big like marketing like use this strategy Mm -hmm. so principles it is principles it is All right. So ladies and gentlemen, today we're talking about building muscle and what you need in order to build muscle. And this is a topic that I know all too well. I like to consider myself an expert on the subject matter. Are you really now? I think so. I think I've done a great job with myself and others in terms of building muscle. I agree. Principle number one. We'll start there, Nicole. Yeah. Remember, don't give it all away. Don't give it all away. Number one. You are going to want to take the protein anchored approach. Mm -hmm. And what that means is that protein is the centerpiece of your day, your meal. That is the first thing that you are focusing on. I think anybody that's entering into a muscle building journey and trying to increase lean body mass, the first thing that they should focus on before anything is how much protein are they getting in? Nicole, would you agree? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. We talk about it all the time. We've talked about it on past podcasts. I think any of our clients that are listening know that we talk about it in session after session. So I definitely agree. Now, what I will say about protein, and I have this conversation with clients all the time, is like, well, if you want to build muscle, you got to eat muscle, right? Because muscle is made up of protein. So Mm -hmm. if you eat animal protein, when we talk about protein sources, the most effective protein sources in terms of building lean muscle are going to be meat, fish, poultry, dairy, and eggs. The reason why those things are going to be the most effective in terms of building muscle is because they're very high in branch chain amino acids, leucine, valine, and isoleucine. Leucine specifically has been studied thoroughly in terms of increasing muscle protein synthesis, which means that you're body can just basically synthesize muscle out of protein. These sources are going to have the greatest impact on how much lean mass you have. Now, that's not to say if you're a vegan or vegetarian that you can't build lean muscle. It's just going to require you to kind of think outside of the box a little bit more, do a little bit more supplementation. Mm -hmm. uh, And the proteins that you're eating aren't going to be as effective as things that are very high in branched chain amino acids. 
they're going to have a lower ratio, like a plant-based protein is going to have a lower amount of branched-chain amino acids than like a whey protein, for example. Yeah. It's not that they can't. It's just a different way of going about it. You are what you eat has never really resonated more with me. Mm -hmm. You eat muscle, you build muscle. Muscle is made up of protein. You want to build muscle. You want to turn into muscle. You essentially need to eat protein because that's what muscle is made of. I don't know how else I can put it. There isn't really any other way. When I'm talking to clients about this or, or even just people in the gym and I ask how much protein are you eating per day, I always get like funny looks still to this day, even with all the research and all the information that we have, they always think they're eating enough. And I mean, well, usually the they're in the pudding too. Usually they're not even tracking and they have no idea how much they're eating. True. But even if they are tracking and they like, you know, we always go based off of the one gram per pound of body weight. I'll say at least start there and see how you do. And then based off of the results you get from that, we can either increase a little bit more or maybe you have to decrease. It really depends on the person. But 99.95% of the time, they're nowhere near close to their, their body weight in terms of grams of protein. And when they hit that, it's also very difficult for them to stay in that range day to day to day to day in, in terms of the consistency of hitting that protein. I always find that my female clients specifically will eat, if their goal is 130 grams a day, they'll hit that 100, 130 grams maybe two, three times a week, and then it'll be a little harder to be as consistent. So the second piece to that is not only do you have to hit that number, but you have to hit that number every single day consistently for at least three months. And you will see epic change if you just stay consistent with that piece alone. Right. So this is where the planning comes into your mix here, because Mm -hmm. if you're not planning and you're not prepared on a day-to-day basis, you're not going to adequately hit that number. Like you need to go grocery shopping. You need to do, you need to cook, you need to prep, you need to do all the things that you have to do to strategize what your day is going to look like in terms of protein. Now, Nicole, to your point, the one gram per pound. So according to the research, the magic number is anywhere from 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilogram of body weight, or just to simplify that for you, one gram of protein per pound of body weight per day is what you want to look towards in terms of creating your strategy of how much protein you should be eating. So if you are a 160 pound individual and you're trying to build lean mass, you need to eat at least that. At Basically, least start there. Eat your body weight Yeah. in protein, in grams. Mm-hmm. And just start there. Like I said, most people aren't even eating their body weight. So that's step one. And you have to do that slowly because it takes a it takes time to increase your protein day to day. You you want to be um, slow and steady about it. And then once you get to that 130 or 160 grams, then test it out. Get on the in body or calipers, whatever you do for body fat measurements. Check it out. See what your changes. Look in the mirror. Look at your body. See if you see changes. Like it's very simple. And most of the time, not most. I won't even say most. I will say all of the time there's significant change in people's physique and then you can make changes from there. So the two things that matter the most when it comes to protein, let's highlight those. And Mm -hmm. we've talked about this just like when we talked to Dr. Bill Campbell, total protein intake matters the most, but then protein feeding frequency. Remember we talked about MPS, muscle protein synthesis, protein feeding frequency. 
tends to keep muscle protein synthesis elevated throughout the day. And that magic number is going to be anywhere from three to five, maybe six, uh, anything beyond that, you're not going to necessarily get an additional benefit. In that case, you're just eating more meals just for the sake of eating more meals, yeah. which, you know, as a bodybuilder competitively, I used to think I have to eat six, seven times a day. And mm-hmm. the research that we have today uh, shows otherwise. So typically within the three to five meals per day, mm-hmm. uh, spacing out your protein. So let's say I am 200 pounds and I want to have my protein spaced out evenly throughout the day. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have, you know, roughly about 50 grams of protein four times a day, which is pretty much what I do now. And it doesn't necessarily have to be entirely even, but you need to just frequently feed yourself protein throughout the your day. Meals. Yeah. Right. Throughout your meals. You don't want to be, then- you don't want to be like a two, two meal a day. And you know, that's not going to be the most effective way to build muscle. Yeah. And then from the day in terms of meals, then day to day, week to week, month to month, in terms of consistency. That's a big piece to this because a lot of my clients will do it for a couple of weeks and be like, wow, I'm starting to see changes in my body. And then they, they taper off. You can't do that. If you want, if you're starting to see changes and you're consistently doing it for a couple of weeks, you got to hold the fort down and like, keep pushing. Well, that goes, that goes into like, like, what's your end goal? Like, do you have, like, are you supposed to just are you trying to just hit a specific number and then be like, all right, cool, I'm good here. And then I'm just going to stop like your your thought process around that and your mindset should yeah. be long term. I want to build the muscle. I want to keep it on because yeah. as you build more muscle, you're only going to need more protein to exactly. aim that. And therefore, if you want to build more on top of that, you're going to have to eat even more protein. So right. keeping that in mind and putting that in perspective is important. Now, let's get into we're going to move forward into number two. Okay. Once you've balanced out your protein intake and you're saying, okay, well, I'm eating a gram per pound of body weight and you're doing that consistently, now you're going to want to start to worry about calories. And with calories, you want to create some kind of a surplus. And with a surplus, I typically say anywhere from 200 calories to 500 calories a day. And it's going to be depending on what your body can handle. So the strategy that I typically like to use, for example, let's say I have a client that I've just taken out of a deficit and she's he or she has lost all of the weight that they want to lose. They're lean. Let's say they are at 13% body fat or 14% body fat. They're happy. They're comfortable. Their goals now change and they say, I want to build muscle. I'm going to now bring you out of that deficit into Mm -hmm. maintenance. Mm -hmm. And then from maintenance, I'm going to do basically the same thing that I do putting you into a deficit where I do 200 calorie increment of deficit. Now I'm going to do that in the reverse way. And I'm going to do 200 calorie increments up to a surplus. And every week or every other week, we're going to measure your progress and say, how much lean mass are you building? Mm -hmm. If you're not building lean mass, we need to increase your calories because you have to keep in mind too, especially for that individual who's coming out of a deficit. Yeah going into a surplus, as you increase calories, your resting metabolic rate will increase and increase and increase. So your surplus is going to be that moving target. And I think it's important, Nicole, that you and I mentioned this now is that calories and maintenance and surplus and deficits are consistently moving. They're moving targets. 
they are changing. Your metabolism is changing. If you're more stressed out, that's going to affect your metabolism. If you're more or less hydrated, that's going to affect your, your metabolic rate. If you are just coming out of that deficit, like we talked about, that's going to affect your metabolic rate as you're increasing calories. If you're decreasing calories, that's going to affect your metabolic rate. So it's this number that you're constantly chasing. It's not like you are going to create a calorie surplus and then you're just, Stay there. That, that's it. This is my surplus. That's going to constantly be moving and you need to monitor your progress and make sure that you're making the appropriate changes. But with that being said, so let's say 2,500 calories is somebody's surplus and they're, they're building muscle and they're in a 200 calorie surplus. So 23 is their maintenance and then 25 is their surplus. How are we going to build the rest of the calories? So we're going to figure out, okay, well, how many grams of protein are you taking? We're going to multiply that number by four. And that's going to give us how many calories we have from protein and then whatever leftover calories you can split up. Now, my recommendation for building lean mass is typically a minimum of a two to one ratio of carbs to protein. So mm -hmm. for myself, if I'm eating 200 grams of protein and I'm trying to be in a surplus, I'm probably going to eat like 400 grams of carbs. To some people, that's like, wow, that seems crazy. And that seems like a lot. And I think the reason that seems like a lot to people, when I have conversations with clients, that seems a lot. Those are like, they're carb phobic. They, uh, listen, this is everyone. If half of my clients, I, t I try and get them to 200 grams of carbohydrates and they think I'm crazy. So 400. And 200 is nothing. It's nothing. For carbs. No. Carbs to me. For somebody, who's, for, for somebody who's training on a regular yeah. basis, and we're talking good quality carbs, mm -hmm. for somebody who's working out, exercising on a regular basis between four to six days a week, mm -hmm. you're going to need more carbs than anything else. I know. It's really hard to convince people of that, especially my female clients, because I, getting them in a surplus is hard enough, but then telling them the surplus then has to be in um, more carbohydrates is just is is like a double whammy. Yeah. Now I'll emphasize the important. Listen, I say two to one or three to one ratio of carbs to, to protein. Three to one is going to be like a little bit more like next level. But yeah, what I'll say is to emphasize the importance of carbs. First and foremost, the average brain and central nervous system, the brain needs 130 grams of carbs just for normal function. So to think that 200 grams of carbohydrates is like an insane amount, 130 of those is going just to your brain. Right. And that doesn't count training, cardio. Right? And now stress. you talk about you're somebody who's trying to build muscle. So you're obviously doing deadlift squats and bench press. Mm -hmm. And those things are very taxing on the central nervous system, which also requires carbohydrates. So those 200 grams of carbs are gone already. Yeah, That's not even helping you build that muscle at that point. What I'm looking at here is a minimum of like a two to one of a two to one ratio. Yeah. I want to continue to emphasize the importance of that. Right. So the insulin has gotten a, a bad rap over years, right? Like, oh, carbohydrates, insulin, right. And the carbohydrate insulin model, which, you know, if we're looking at building muscle, insulin has a, some beneficial roles here. Yeah. Insulin, they always only focus on the bad side of. Yeah. Like insulin, it's a storage hormone. It tells your yeah. body to store fat. Right. But insulin There's has a, uh, a, positive benefit in that it drives things into the muscle and it's not mm -hmm. just carbohydrates, which we need carbohydrates. We need glycogen in the muscle for immediate use, right? So we know that the glycogen in your like bicep versus the glycogen in your quadricep, like in different areas are the 
that glycogen is directly used for those activities. Like if you're doing a leg extension, you're using mm -hmm. the glycogen in the cells in your leg. Mm -hmm. Or if you're doing a bicep curl, you're using the glycogen in the cells in like indirect sites, right? So we need those to be full. full. Um, but also we're driving amino acids and proteins into those muscles as well. And we're not just talking about driving, like insulin is not just a driver of carbohydrates. It's a driver of things that are going to help you build muscle. So those yeah. branch chain People amino think it's acids, so linear, you know, like one pathway. It's like, it just does one thing, way. like one yeah. function, right? It's like yeah. cholesterol. When we talk about cholesterol, like, well, what does cholesterol do in the body? Well, it repairs cells. It's beneficial for hormones. Like mm -hmm. it does all of these different things, right? HDL cholesterol and LD, like there's differences in terms of the functionality of, of different types of cholesterol too. So, you know, yeah. in this case too, that's what we're looking at is, you know, like what are the roles of insulin? And there are some positive roles of insulin. I don't think people should be afraid of insulin. I think, you know, we, first of all, we need insulin. Otherwise we don't survive. But what I, what I will say, and this is something that I learned from personal experience is too many calories. So we're talking about calorie surplus. If you build too big of a surplus, for mm -hmm, a, fast. for, for too long of a period of time, yeah. then that's going to impact your insulin sensitivity, especially also dependent on food choices. Yes. If you're just driving sugar and refined carbohydrates in a calorie surplus, which I see this often. And I see guys in the gym that are just like bulked up to the max. Yeah. And believe me, I used to be one of them. And now I see them and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm like, you are just so like, I'm, I can see you and I can just see your insulin receptors just like falling. screaming. <laughs> They're just like, dude, we're not taking in any carbs. And you can see like the guys that develop these big bellies. Yeah. That are there. They have Muscular. a decent amount of muscle, right? Yeah. But then they have these bellies because their bodies are no longer building muscle. Their the insulin sensitivity is down. Right. Their mm -hmm. insulin receptor, their insulin receptors are downregulated. Yeah. And they're just driving fat storage at this point. Yeah. So for those people, I'd say, hey, let's let's just chill for a minute. Let's take your calories back for a little while. Let's yeah. resensitize re your insulin receptors. Mm -hmm. Maybe let's lose a little body fat. I don't know if you're cool with that, but, you know, <laughs> you're, you're not getting anywhere yeah. where you're at. So, you know, there's a point where you create a calorie surplus in which Sometimes you need to back off a little bit, resensitize your insulin receptors, and then you could start growing again. But yeah. you get to the point where you just start uh, driving stored body fat. I, I've been ranting a lot, so I'll let you go, Nicole. <laughs> no, I, I'm listening. I'm agreeing. I'm listening and nodding. People can't see me nod, but yes, people, I'm nodding. I agree with everything that you're saying. But I think the the biggest piece to this. Um, just to kind of wrap that up is that it's not just about protein intake. Like that was our first principle, but the second principle when it comes to calories is the quality of food and making sure that there's balance between your, all of your macronutrients. Now I'm okay with you. We got to have a balance. You have to enjoy the foods that you're eating, right? You have to be able to hit your yes. calories for some people. A sur surplus is a very large amount of calories. So I'm like, okay. And I'm empathetic to that where I say, okay, eat your meals and get in all your quality food. And if you need to supplement in a little bit because the calorie surplus is a little bit, it's a little bit much for you. Like if yeah. you need to supplement in things that are easily digestible mm -hmm. or 
um, you know, really aren't going to fill you up so much that like those kind of quote unquote junk foods, the snack foods and add those into your day, you're fine as long as with you're within the parameters that you set and you're focusing on your whole foods first, because we also want to think about uh, the nutrient density and we want to think about your, we definitely want to think about your fiber intake because that's going to correlate with how many calories you're eating. Remember when we talk about fiber, we talk about uh, 14 grams per thousand calories that you eat in a day. Mm-hmm. So like as your increase in calories go up, we want to make sure that you're getting quality foods, fruits and veggies and whole grains that contain that fiber that are yeah. going to help you to digest and absorb the foods that you eat. Because keep in mind, like I said before, you are what you eat, but that's not just it. It's you are what you eat, digest and absorb. So right. with that being said, you want to focus on whole foods, quality foods. You don't even have to really think about your fiber. It will do itself as long as you're eating whole foods. Yeah. You really can't go wrong if the balance is there. You know, in a calorie surplus, you want as little amount of body fat increase as you build muscle. And you want as little bit of, you're going to have some body weight increase, but minimal. So you want to just watch and observe and how your body responds to the different types of foods that you're putting into that calorie amount and how you respond to each will be different for each person. But ultimately the goal is to do it as healthily as possible and sprinkling in some of the fun foods that you like to eat, just like you would if you're at maintenance or in a deficit. It really doesn't change anything. It's just a different volume. You know, what's interesting is as a bodybuilder, I had off seasons and on season and I had bulking seasons and Mm -hmm. cutting seasons. And now when I think of it, the better strategy, I think for a competitor is going to be the most metabolically advantageous strategy, which is Mm -hmm. small increments of calorie surplus over a period of time rather than, Hey, I'm just going to eat as much as humanly possible so I can grow because at some point, like I mentioned, you're going to stop growing. Yeah. And I also think just, I have have been like this for many, many years. I I really am someone that focuses and really tries to teach quality food over anything else. And the quantity is easy if the quality is really smart choices, no matter what phase you're in. I love phases of training, cut, maintenance, and build. I use it with my clients all the time. But the fundamental of that is that it has to, in any phase, has to be as much quality as you possibly can with a little bit of fun. Yeah. But I, I guess you know? what I'm trying I guess what I'm trying to get at here is the um the long term strategy is gonna win yeah. and it's and you're gonna build more muscle in the long run than if you do like these massive bulking phases. This this is I guess more geared towards the guys out there because I don't see many women saying saying, Hey, I want to bulk off. I see the No, opposite. I'm trying to get them to eat. Women right, never right. never will do a you say so, the word build phase and they run. (laughs) So for a lot of the men out there, I would say create a calorie surplus, but not one that's too large. And for a lot of the women out there, I would say just create a damn surplus. Just eat more. (laughs) And don't be afraid of it. But I think this is where the coaching piece comes in, which I always come back around on our podcast and talk about is if you are unaware of how to do that, that's what we're here for is to help guide you through so that you're doing it in a way that is healthily um, managed and comfortable for the women that may not want to or fear building and for the guys that have maybe done it in not so smart of a way and maybe want to try it in a different, you know, a different strategy to, to make it successful. So moving along. Number three. Train using progressive overload. Yes. Let's now, talk about it. <laughs> I, I said this before. 
your three major lifts, your uh, deadlifts, your squats, and your bench press. You are going to want to incorporate those because those are your big heavy lifts and you want to build some solid dense muscle. You're going to have to get stronger in those lifts. And you are going to want to use a progressive overload principle, which essentially just, uh, Nicole, how would you describe? Progressive overload? Progressive overload. Well, I describe it to my clients as small increments of load progressed or increased over time. That's the simplest way to put it. Now, your increments can be increases in reps, uh, decreasing rest intervals, uh, mm-hmm. increasing the, uh, I guess, volume would be reps, but then also increasing your your load, which mm-hmm. is the weight. Your, the weight that you're using, right? Mm-hmm. So this is, a tricky this, is in, this is interesting too. So here's the thing. I like to vary exercise selection on a month by month basis with my clients so that they mm-hmm. don't get bored mm-hmm. and- that's so interesting. I'm the complete opposite. Is that you don't? I don't. So selection? Well, no. So here's what I, I will. I tell clients, I think the longest I've gone is maybe eight to 12 weeks with the same exercises, but I'll mix up the order of the exercises, but I tend to keep the exercise selection the same if they get bored, but I want them to see a significant change in load on specifically, like just take bench press, for example. I mean, there's really not, you could do a bench press with a dumbbell, you can do a bench press with a barbell. You well, you do, can do an I incline, mean, you can do a decline, you can do- Right, there's all those variations. But for the most part, after four weeks of doing a bench press, I really don't feel like that's a lot of time to really increase significant amount of load unless you're like already kind of significantly strong. So for my guys, I'll keep that the same for at least eight weeks and say to them, Each time you lift, try and get another maybe five to 10% increase in your weight. And then as they start to progress and they get stronger and stronger, then I'll mix things up and change things up. But they have to get the basic foundation strong before I'll change things. Well, listen, I get that. The point I'm trying to make is that (laughs) exercise selection matters far less than, and this is kind of the point that you're making too. Yeah. We're making the same point here. (laughs) <laughs> um, I vary things because, you know, like, oh, man, people bored. get bored, um, people get bored with things. They want to they, they want to do new things. And I think this your is your body of, doesn't. This is part of like this, like cultural thing with uh, this society that just drives CrossFit and cross training and all these crazy workouts and like balance on a BOSU ball and balance <laughs> on your head and do handstand push ups. Right. Yeah. First of all, handstand push up is just a overhead press upside down. Let's yeah. just start that. Okay. Let's so get that out of really the way. Changing, you're not really changing things up. You're just overhead pressing your body weight. So exercise selection matters far less than progressive overload. Like I've known bodybuilders, professional bodybuilders that mm-hmm. will use that. They'll, they'll say I've done the same workout for my entire career and I've just gotten stronger gotten stronger yeah and i've increased the reps and i've moved around those numbers and i've changed that dial but the exercises have stayed the same so do you need to change your exercises and vary your exercises to in order to grow muscle no but you need to get better and progress at those exercises that you're doing and you need to do those foundational movements which are going to be your Hinge pattern, which is your deadlift, your squat, your push, your pull, and your lunge. And some people might argue that you don't even necessarily need to lunge, but I do like lunges or different variations of lunges more so forward and back, not lateral. I don't think lateral is a great muscle builder. I think it's a good functional movement. 
I don't look at it from a muscle building standpoint. Like I would never say, oh man, you really need to build some muscle. You know what? I'm going to incorporate some lateral lunges for you. Like that's not really going to be the direction I'm going to go into. Uh, but well, multi-directional movements is going to help you with your primary function of those squats. Potentially. I don't know. I kind of like, I kind of Come disagree on. with that. I, I disagree with that because listen, if you want to get better at a squat, you squat. That's how we're, we're on. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you, but you also have to have, you can't doing the same movement, pro, movement pattern over and over with no other function or direction. I think. I mean, listen, we can talk like the. All right. Well, that's another discussion. We could talk about the functional movement people that will say, well, you, your body has to be functional because then it works optimally. Right. But I mean, listen, people will shit on bodybuilding. I'm going to get into this because people ahead, will, because people will shit on bodybuilding and say they only move in. You know, bodybuilders do it wrong because they only use one plane of motion, which is your frontal plane right now. Primarily you do. I mean, the, now the I'm like, well, so I always say like, well, what what is the purpose that you're trying to achieve? Like, are you trying to move better or are you trying to build muscle? Right. And well, you see now here's where you and I may disagree. You have to move better in order to build more muscle. But who's to say that if you don't move on a sagittal plane that you're not going to optimally move, right? Like the thought that this is kind of getting a little off topic, but topic, but the <laughs> thought that like I have to move sideways, move laterally, because in life I never do that. That's so, not what I'm saying. Well, the, but this is what I'm saying is that like, you know, people will be like, well, you got to move sideways. And I'm like, well, why do I, why the fuck do I have to move sideways? Like, how is that going to happen? What? We're not having this argument. I'm a human being. I move forward and backwards. <laughs> you do not. You do not. You need to move in all directions for primal movement to function well so that you can then isolate Listen. as a bodybuilder. Listen, build. if I'm running away from a lion, you I'm may not have to run side, side to side. I'm not running sideways. <laughs> I, it will not be as efficient as running forward, regardless of how how much I train that. I can't believe just said that you will only run forward. So what happens if there's a fork in the road and you have to take a right? You're not going to turn and maybe shuffle. <laughs> no, I'm going to just run. Fork. I'm going to run towards the fork. The <laughs> fork isn't like, I mean, I got to turn left, but I'm not going to be constantly moving in that plane. You're hilarious. I don't need to lunge. Like, when am I going to have to lunge sideways and then like leap off that foot? Like, I that's never, never know happen. this. This could, it could happen. I'm going to chase you down the street and make you side shuffle. <laughs> All right. You know what? Bring it on. You know, we'll do a video on of that. <laughs> well, we'll do a video on that. <laughs> on Instagram. That's it. All right. So let's get back to the point. Once again, I digress. The point. Let's go back to the point. So progressive reg overload. Progressive overload, regardless if you agree with me on, uh, you know, planes of motion and, and different types of movement. The biggest thing that we can all agree on is that progressive overload is the most effective strategy for yes. uh, increasing lean mass. And that's just the strategy for all exercise, right? If you want to get results, progressive overload, like you need to get stronger. You need to be able to do more weight at more reps. You need to be able to decrease your rent rest intervals. Uh, what I will say in terms of training for bodybuilding or building lean mass, I don't really want to call it bodybuilding. I want to kind of, I don't want to group everybody into this, right? You are technically building your body, but building muscle, uh, you're going to want to add in some supersets. You're going to want to add in some giant sets. Now, for those of you who don't know what a superset is or a giant set, a superset is going from one exercise to the next without rest. And it's a way of 
fatiguing your muscles a little mm-hmm. bit more. And what I'll say is to the point of fatiguing your muscles, if you're not fatiguing your muscles, if you're not going to failure every once in a while, or you aren't getting a pump or feeling a burn when you're working out, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. You're not going to build muscle unless it is somewhat of a difficult process. And you're also not going to benefit from those metabolic adaptations. And Nicole, this is something that you and I have talked about before. Like mm-hmm. if you're not feeling a burn and you're not getting a pump, you're not getting those mitochondrial changes in your muscle. Yeah. I always tell people to keep two in the tank and not totally go to epic failure because I feel like without a trainer there to monitor, people can really hurt themselves. So that's just my, that's just me and what I teach yeah. my clients. And but I, You don't want to go to failure every time, but every once in a while you do want to have a If you're pushing that overload and you increase your weight on a specific exercise, yeah. And you, and you max out, have one left in the tank, you know, but just be careful because I think the reason why people are afraid of progressive overload, or at least this is my experience with my clients is they're afraid to push too hard and hurt themselves. I hear this all the time. Well, how do I know how hard to go? I'm not sure what it's going to feel like when I push that last one out. And I, and I'm not really sure that I think people are very, they maybe don't know their body or as in tune with their body to know exactly how hard to push and what fatigue feels like and you know what that threshold is so I always say one to two in the tank so that you're feeling it you're feeling the burn you're feeling the pump but you could do a couple more but you stop there because then there's that threshold of you know being a bit safe that's just me well I'd say you should no you're correct on that but you should also be doing some forced reps like right right like the last few reps have to be forced Yeah. They have to be challenging. It has to be a difficult, like if you're just going through the motions and I see people all the time, this is everybody in the gym. If you're just going through the motions and you're not feeling any burning sensation, you're not really getting increased blood flow to that area that you're training, AKA getting a pump. And it's not hard for you to push things. Your body's not going to change because we have to look at the adaptation that occurs through exercise as it has to be a stress put on the body. And I've talked about this time and time again, if the body isn't under stress, it has no reason to change. Right. Think about it from an evolutionary standpoint, you are lifting weights. And this is why I say every once in a while, if you go to failure, that's a good thing. You are lifting weights and you go to failure. And then your body thinks, holy shit, if I fail at this next time, I could possibly die. It's a survival mechanism. So your body builds up stronger and stronger. The only way for your body to build stronger is if you are creating a stress on the system. Mm-hmm. If it's not hard, you're not creating a stress on the system. If your yeah. body doesn't view it as stressful, you are not going to get results and therefore build lean mass. I think that's it. I ranted a little bit in there with the... Uh, progressive overload and the training, but you get the gist of it. It's got to be difficult. You want to use those foundational movement patterns. You want to use progressive overload. You want to increase your reps, increase your weight. Uh, You want to add in some supersets and some giant sets where you're jumping from one exercise to another without rest. You want to go to failure every once in a while. And you want to make sure that you're getting a pump. You want to make sure that you are getting uh, that burning sensation and that it's difficult and you're forcing some reps. And if you think about the first three, so we talk about protein And then um, we talk about calories and then we talk about progressive overload. There's this, it's almost like a um, pyramid of how these things are put together and what ultimately will help you 
build that lean muscle mass. You need the protein in order to build the mass. You need the calories and that slight surplus to give you the energy to get through this type of progressive overload that Daron's talking about, specifically that pump and that burn. You need to feed your body in order to get through that type of stressful overload. This is why we call them principles. They all kind of fall down or trickle down into number five, which we'll get to. Well, it goes into number four. Number four is like, so we talked about food and mm-hmm. we talked about building a calorie surplus and we talked about your protein and why you're doing that and why you're feeding that your body in the way that you are is because you need your body to recover from the workouts and you won't right. recover from your workouts if you are in under eating, under eating or undernourishing your body, you won't properly recover. So the f- number four is focus more on recovery than you do training. And I think that this is a big miss for people that go to the gym, they work out really, really hard, and then they go home and eat like shit. And then they wonder why their body's not changing because you're in the gym working hard and working out is breaking down your muscle. It's not rebuilding your muscle. Right. That's where the rest comes in. That's where you focus on the recovery because recovery is where you're building muscle. Mm -hmm. The gym isn't building muscle for you. The gym is doing the opposite and it's your job to focus on recovering. And I think that's a big miss. This is like the difference where Nicole, I used to talk to, I remember when I worked in a supplement store and the uh, regional sales director came up to me and he's like, you know, just a random conversation, random question. And he goes, Hey, Daron, like, what do you value more pre-workout supplements or post-workout supplements? Mm -hmm. My response was post-workout supplements. And he goes, you know, he's like, I'm happy that you say that because you realize the, that recovery is more important. And oftentimes people will be like, I want to focus on the pre-workout supplement strategy. And I want to take my pre-workout because I want to have a really, really good workout. And then they miss the mark on their post-workout strategy. Yeah in nourishing their body because they don't see that as they just want to have a good workout. Yeah. Cause so many people just focus on the front end of things, which is just, I got to get in the gym and burn calories, whatever, build, break down. And then they, and then, then it stops there. So recovery yeah. is days off is basically what we're talking about. Like so actually if, taking days off. If you're wondering why you're not building muscle, it's probably because you're maybe well, overtraining. It could be many reasons, but it could be because you're overtraining. Yeah. Or no, it could be because you're, could be because you're not recovering. Why is recovery important? So first and foremost, sleep is when you're really building muscle and your body's really repairing itself. When you're sleeping, that's when it's regenerating uh, and it's increasing your testosterone levels, your growth hormones. So sleep is something that is definitely important in terms of your recovery strategy. How many hours are you getting? If you're getting in the four to six range, you definitely want to increase that. And I do, I say four to six range because that is a lot of clients that come to see me. Mm -hmm. They're not sleeping enough. And they're thinking that they're functioning optimally until they actually do start sleeping enough. And there are strategies that I, I use to get people to either restore their circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. We may recommend some supplements for them, potentially add in some melatonin, potentially add in some valerian root, some GABA, some 5-HTP, like those types of things I always keep there. And then I say, hey, you need to focus on your sleep hygiene while you're taking these supplements, because these supplements are kind of like a band-aid. We don't want to keep you on them, especially uh, melatonin. We want you to stop taking that after a certain amount of time, or we want you to be able to take minimal doses of that. And we want you to be able to sleep on your own. So what are you doing to allow your body to uh, restfully sleep on its own without these aids? Sleep is going to be important. And I think 
anywhere from like seven to nine is the number. Mm-hmm. Seven, I think, is the threshold for a lot of people. There are some people that are those kind of, I don't really need sleep. Mm-hmm. I, 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 get, so I get six hours and I function and they're high functioning on less sleep. But I do think that there are a lot of people that think they're like that and they're not yeah. because what data shows is that those people are far few in between. Yeah, I agree. I also would say like massage, sleep. Days off from the gym. Days off. Yeah, like it, it all it's all part of that because a lot of the time that you know, muscle soreness, like in terms of recovery, if you're pushing hard, then you're sore for days. And if you're not taking care of your body that way either, it can start to break down. Yeah. So uh, you listen, you want to make sure that you're recovering. You want to make sure you're getting adequate, adequate calories to recover. And from a post-workout nutrition standpoint, because that's what I get often as a question is, what should I do in my post-workout strategy in terms of my nutrition? So what research shows is that uh, carbohydrates post-workout, and I've kind of lately, I think I've said in the past, like, hey, you don't really need carbs from a hormonal standpoint. And I do think that there is a, uh, a benefit to potentially not having carbs after your workout, but there is data that supports from a different standpoint, not a hormonal standpoint, from a recovery standpoint that uh, carbs tend to have not necessarily an anabolic effect in your post-workout strategy where you start building muscle, but carbs have an anti-catabolic effect on the body in that it stops or slows down muscle breakdown as a result of your workout. Now, Mm -hmm. from there, you add in some protein, and now protein is going to increase muscle protein synthesis, which was also, by the way, elevated from the fact that you just worked out. Now you're increasing muscle protein synthesis further, and your body's starting the rebuild process. So post-workout, you're going to want to potentially do some carbs and some protein. Now, that window, we've talked about that anabolic window is technically 48 hours. So I don't think people, unless you're really like an athlete that's training a lot, I don't think you need to really focus on a immediate post-workout strategy more than you need to focus on your overall daily strategy of how much protein am I getting in? What's my protein feeding frequency? Am I getting adequate carbohydrates? You should focus on that. And once that's in order, then you can really start thinking about, okay, well, what's my immediate post-workout strategy? Well, that's what I mean by, that's more an advanced nutrition strategy, that immediate. If you don't have the basic fundamentals, adding more to that isn't going to help. So it's like taking, it's like taking supplements when your nutrition is crap, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to give you that extra, let's say two to 5% push. Yeah. But that two to 5% is only needed if your nutrition is in order and where it needs to be first. Right. And that's what I say. That's what I was talking about earlier about protein. Like if you're consistently hitting your numbers every day, then you've got the foundation down. Then you can talk about a little bit more advanced strategy in terms of immediately after your workout. But if you aren't even doing that, like start there first. Anything else we want to say in recovery? No, just give, allow your, only one thing, allow yourself the time to recover we either have one or two ways. You either have the, the, the person that's going 90 miles an hour with their hair on fire and they never take a break and you have to pull them back or you have the people that aren't working hard enough and they take too many breaks. So whatever side of the fence you're on there, give yourself in either side, you have to give yourself the time to recover and plan that into your program and then stick to the program. And the very last one. Number five. 
Number five is repeat the first four. <laughs> it's funny, but it's true. It is true. So we've mentioned focusing on recovery. We've mentioned training using progressive overload. We've mentioned being in a calorie surplus and we've mentioned consuming adequate protein and using mm -hmm. that protein anchored approach. You need to do that every single day in order to get results. And that is the most difficult part. Exactly. All four is focusing on that one day, but you have to be consistent with your workouts. You want to work out. I mean, if you ask me, I always say a minimum of three days a week, but fuck mm -hmm. it. I'm going to say four to five days a week. Yeah. You need to be doing resistance training. You need to be following progressive overload. You need to consistently be getting stronger. You need to consistently be lifting more weights for more reps. You need to focus on your recovery, your sleep, your stress is included in your recovery as well. Uh, and you need to be in a calorie surplus on a regular basis. You need to do right. that every single day. You have to do it over and over again for a very long time to achieve the goal of building muscle. And what I'll say about that, to put that in perspective, is the average person can put on 10 to 12 pounds of muscle per year maximum. So let's put that in perspective. 12 pounds of muscle is a pound a month. That's not a lot. And you're not going to really see a pound exactly. spread out through your legs, your calves, your arms, your chest, your back. Mm -hmm. You're not going to see that. So for you right. to achieve this goal, you need to be consistent day in and day out for years. And then after, say, three or four years, you need to take a picture of you from yeah, four years and ago mm -hmm. and compare it to a picture of you now, because then you'll be like, oh, man, like this, this is what Daron and Eat Right Nutrition meant by <laughs> I need to be consistent day in and day out. They said, years. keep doing it every day. Yeah. I think a lot of with the muscle building, what bothers me is that people look at the covers of magazines and women do this and men do this and everybody does this. And they're like, I want to look like that. And they think it's a six month goal. Well, but that's because every program on Instagram is my six week. It's not even six months. It's my six week program to last, you know, build muscle. And don't get me wrong. Those programs aren't bad. It's a starting point. So when they say six weeks, if it's the, if you're doing the first six weeks to get going, amazing. Then do another six weeks and another six weeks and another six weeks. That's totally fine. I understand why they exist. It's just to get people kind of in the game. There's nothing wrong with that. My point is or our point together is that you have to consistently work on this. This isn't something you just do kind of sort of and then stop, which I think a lot of people do like summer vacation hits and then they just stop lifting weights for the three months. And they think when they come back in September and they start lifting again, you know, yes, you pick up where you left off, but you are starting over in a sense a bit because you took three months off. The people that are consistent don't take breaks, show up in the gym every single day. Their bodies look a certain way because of that. These are the four things that you need to do. The fifth piece is the consistency part, is that you're gonna go in, you're gonna go in at it, and you're gonna make a commitment that this is the way you're going to live. This is your lifestyle. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, share this with a friend, write a review, and you'll hear us next week. Bye.